0: This episode of the Shickenick Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dundee Bank. It's the greatest small bank, a community-focused small business right in the heart of Omaha. We love local businesses being a part of our show. And together with Dundee Bank, we build a strong community foundation, boost the economy, strengthen Small businesses. It's located in Dundee, Blackstone, and Little Bohemia. Visit them at DundeeBanking.com. Dundee Bank member FDIC. Second and seven. Kramer gets the snap. Hands it off. Williams only breaks through again. He's got a first down. That's going to do it. Yes. Started it that way. Should we not have done
1: that? No, I think that was perfect. Just makes no sense for him to say yes, but it does at the same time. I enjoyed it. We just went. We're all. I'd imagine a lot of people that are listening just immediately are waiting for a Matty D drop. They want a Davison yes. They want something, and you gave it to him right away. I tweeted out that uh, I was was really
0: flummoxed a little bit because one of the things I look forward to most on Sundays is going to the Husker website, huskers.com, and going to find the audio from the game just and just click through and see what they had for certain calls. Cause I just love I, I've been a fan of play by play since I was a little kid. I used to listen to Van Miller Voice of the Bills, and I would love his highlights, and I just love it. So I'm kind of transformed to back to a little to, to my childhood when I listened to home play by play calls and I was looking forward to it, but then it said no game available, just pre-game, and then had frost post game. I was like, "What in the mm. world? What in the world? What in the world?" <laughs> That's how I felt about it. And then I won't mention any names, but someone reached out on Twitter and said, "Hey, I I got it for you. Here you go." And so we got it. So we'll have a you know we'll have a call or two. But I hope I hope that you know our show is not
1: important enough for them to just decide not to show. Not well, to what's up with about. what's going on? I mean, maybe I don't know. Game didn't go well. They got a bye week. Maybe everybody just, just had had enough and called it a day quick. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Could have been. Maybe an intern
0: did it. Or maybe, you know, someone got a bad case of the, the cooties. Cootie. Yeah! Or moody, rather. Not, not
1: cootie. Moody. Thing of Jessica.
0: By the way, Jessica Cootie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if she listened to the entire pod or someone sent her the clip or what have you? Or maybe Jessica's listening right now. We do like to apologize. She did reach out on Twitter and say that uh, the cootie jokes are very—they were—they were worn out in kindergarten. Kindergarten, yeah. And I sent that to you. And what was your response? I think your
1: response was very good in your text to me. Well, I mean, let me let me make sure I get it completely verbatim because I mean, it was uh, it was <laughs> so. I said, she doesn't understand that our podcast is basically kindergarten time.
2: <laughs>
1: like, right?
0: It never even struck me last week as we're making fun of the last name Cootie. So what we're going
1: to have here is Cootie, or Moody rather, not not Cootie, Moody, thinking of Jessica. Uh
0: it never even struck me that we were being juvenile because whenever we turn the microphones on and record this podcast that's just what it is like i i never i've gotten to the point where i i, I don't step outside take a couple steps back as you like to say and yeah.
1: think about what we're doing here it's just what we are this is what it is i mean you listen to this if you if you have elected to listen to this you pretty much know exactly what's going on and what's going on is your Regressing, reverting back to not just like a teenager, you're going back to five, six years old. That's what this is. So no, I'm with you. It took, it took Jessica's tweet to be like, Oh yeah, I guess this is really stupid. This is really, really stupid. <laughs> Jessica. What she did
0: is she held up the mirror to our show. And we said, you're right. You're right. We get it, but we're still going to press on. But to admit it, we are right now thinking of Jessica, thinking of Jessica, <laughs> All right. So uh, we are recording here. (laughs) We are recording here on a Monday. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we've had a couple of days now to uh, think about what happened on uh, Saturday. I rewatched the game. And let me tell you. Why would you do that? Why would you
1: do something like that? (sighs) Let me tell you. You know, there's that whole cliche in sports like, you know, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. Let me tell you. Nebraska was just as bad as you thought they were watching it the second time, maybe even worse. You re the game. Like, who does that? Like,
2: why? What, like, why? Like, who does that?
0: <laughs> like, someone punched you in the face and you said, wait, does that really hurt? Do
1: it again. So, hol- hold on. I think I broke my nose. Why don't you punch one more time? Make sure it's still broken. Oh, yep. Yep, it's broken. Like, who does that? Great question. I don't know why I did it. I did it. I was hoping. I actually was hoping, like, you know, I rewatched it, and I I came away feeling better. No, no, I can't even sit here and try to massage it in a way that I was bad. All right. So you do record
0: a Bo Rude podcast as well. It's the Nick Bob podcast. But let's uh, be honest.
1: It's the Bo Rude podcast.
0: This is like when Scott Van Pelt had the show with Rusillo and it was the SVP show and it took you know pulling teeth to get his name on the show has bo rude pushed for that yet or is he just happy to be there and happy to be, have Listen, some
1: sort of work at this point unless there's going to be a tell all piece that's going to be in the athletic by Mitch Sherman but a disgruntled bo rude at this point i think he's just happy to you know he's happy to to, to chat with you boy but we might have a we might have a disgruntled rude on our hands, you know.
0: It's nothing worse than a disgruntled rude. Yeah, you don't
1: want that. Yeah, absolutely. Where? What? I mean, are we diving into the game, or do you want to just talk about nonsense for a little? What do you want to do?
0: Well, I mean, I'm f- fine
1: either way. I mean,
0: there's a, a few things that we could get into here. Uh, you got a twenty piece
1: chicken McNugget of stats from ESPN stats and info on things.
0: I should probably pull that up. This one's from Ray, who tweets to the show. I work at a restaurant, and tonight a guy came in, and the hostess asked him, table or booth? The guy said, I'll take a John Wilkes. Whoa. The hostess was very confused. I had to do a double-take in amazement and explain what he meant to her. (laughs) So... And someone, someone tweeted like the spoiler is that it was Nick
1: who was the patron. It <laughs> was just. It was me in a disguise, <laughs> just I'll testing things out. I'll take.
0: I always wondered, you know, we would, when we would record <laughs> songs and do some of these parodies that we would do on the Chicken Nick Show back in the Dizzy, yeah, the, yeah, the Disney, like to say yeah. when we hosted the show in Omaha, uh, you would we would record the parodies, and you immediately. <laughs> Talked about how we had to get into the John Wilkes to record it. You called the booth the John Wilkes, a guy who murdered a president.
1: One of the most revered, loved, respected human beings to ever walk on Earth. So we always
0: called it the John Wilkes. Hey, let's go in the John Wilkes. And And it became just nomenclature like it was just nothing we ever thought about you would just say John Wilkes like yeah let's go in the John Wilkes and we'll and we'll do it (laughs) and so it's good to know well do we want to transition it
1: for people that are big Villanova fans of of guards off the bench for national title teams there was Phil Booth he was a guard for Villanova that won a couple of national titles under Jay Wright do we want to step in is it now table or or Phil Booth See, but it doesn't sound as good. Like, no, nah, I need to – instead of sitting at a table, I'll sit at a fill. That doesn't work as well. But if you were, if you sit in a John Wilkes, people know exactly where you go.
0: That's true. You'll listen no one to by the, the Mock show. Okay. I don't think there's anyone by the last name Table. Uh, Jim Rome used to mock uh, Jose Mesa. He used to be a major league pitcher because Mesa is Spanish for table, so you yeah. would call him Joe Table <laughs> instead of Jose Mesa. That's pretty good. I don't good. think you could get – you can say, would you like a Joe or a John Wilkes? I don't think that, that would doesn't work. I don't think that works at all. I think booth or table is fine. I don't think, I don't know why we're, I didn't,
3: I didn't drive all this way to sit at a table.
4: Why can't we sit over there?
3: That's not a booth. So who says we have to sit in a booth? I didn't take the subway all the way to New York to sit at a table like that. <laughs> You're telling me we gotta give it up.
1: No, we shouldn't. Oh. We should not. But whoever that individual was that, that is keeping the John Wilkes alive, good work. Good work. Uh,
0: apologies to those who have been waiting for the pod. Uh, you're listening to it now, so your wait is over. Did retweet uh, someone uh, saying, me waiting for chicken-nick show and or Nick Baugh to drop a Husker slash gopher recap pod. It's a gif of <laughs> the <laughs> classic scene of a guy just sitting on just the bench, aimlessly. Sit- Sitting and just just waiting. Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about the game, uh, frankly, but I guess we could. I do have some Husker radio calls
1: which we can get to. Oh, I can't wait for those. I'm sure those a, are very depressing. Uh
0: give me your Cliff's notes kinda minute or so about The Minnesota game. We don't need to get too in the weeds here. I mean, it is who we thought it it was in the game. You know, leading into the game, we did say, now this is the game, right? This is the game. We joked about it. This is the one that will tell us what
1: this team is all about. So I'll ask you, did it? Well, I think that's just it. Was to me, I framed this game as a narrative solidifying game the narrative being this team is close, this team is improving, they would have a much better record and have been winning games. They've just played three top 10 teams. They're playing the toughest schedule in the country. That's kind of the story I was telling myself. But for that narrative to get solidified, you can't go lose and lose in the way that you did at Minnesota. So now I'm at the point Shick where I don't think I've ever been more lost with how I feel or what is happening with this football team and this football program in the Frost era so far. I'm completely lost because I know the the Oklahoma game, the Michigan State game, the Michigan game; those games happened. I watched Nebraska stay in toe to toe with those teams and could easily have won all three games. And then you then you see what happened on on Saturday in Minneapolis, and I'm just I'm lost, chick. Like so, I felt like I I knew the story I was telling my and in my head of like, hey, Illinois was a just you know you kind of just that that was their barf on themselves game. Now they're 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 getting there. They had been getting better each week. But they're playing a ridiculously tough schedule. That's why the record, the wins and losses aren't what they are, but we can see it with our eyes. Joel Klatt said it. Tom Chattel predicted that Nebraska would beat Michigan and all that stuff. Like other people were seeing this. And then you watch that game happen and you're just like, I don't know what to believe, man. I, I am lost. So I wish I had some grandioso take other than that. Other than I'm fine. just, I'm lost. That's fine. Oh, that's great. I think there are a lot of Husker fans uh, feel that way. Are you lost? The question that... Where are we? Where are we? Year four? <laughs> We're not in year four. We're in year one.
2: Guys. Where are we?
0: That's what it feel like! Not Polini's boat.
1: Not Frank Solich's boat. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Does it make sense? Shouts out to
0: Lost. Are you about to do a Mark Jackson show recap? Shouts out to Lost.
1: You're listening to Mark Jackson's favorite TV shows. Up next, can we talk about Roseanne? Outstanding job getting it done with your kids. We have to go
4: back. Yeah. Right,
1: sounds good. Speak some sense
4: the into question, me, chick.
1: What's your... Come on, the, give me
0: something. Well, there's a lot of ways to look at this. The question I had... Coming out of, and every time Nebraska plays a good team close, you always have to ask the question are teams not taking Nebraska seriously? Are they playing down to the competition or is Nebraska playing up to the competition? And I think what we saw in Minnesota is it leaves open the possibility, it leaves open the possibility that these really good teams could be playing down to Nebraska rather than Nebraska playing up? I don't know the answer to that question. It just leaves open the possibility. Because, frankly, this was, out of all the games, this was a game where Nebraska played a team with comparable talent. Now, you could say Michigan State as well, and I'm very open to that. Michigan State looks like a top-ten team. They haven't beaten anyone that currently has a winning record. So maybe the verdict is still out on Michigan State. But playing Minnesota, those are the games the defining games are the ones that you have comparable talent with. Yes, it's great to beat Oklahoma, and you would have loved to have beaten Michigan, and maybe that's an arrival. Hey, we've arrived. But let's be honest. You beat Michigan, and you followed up with a loss to Minnesota. I mean, who knows what would have the butterfly effect of that, what would have happened anyway. But the, the question is, are these other teams playing down? Or are you playing up? Or are you playing to the level of your competition? I don't know the answer to that. But it's pretty clear that I think the word lost is revelatory for Nebraska. And that this team still, four years in, doesn't know who it is. And you still are asking the question... How good is this team? Or frankly, now it's how bad is this team? Like I, we don't really know. And you have to make judgments because you only play twelve. And Nebraska doesn't look like they're going to play any more than twelve. No, this year. So these judgments just have to be. You, you, there has to be some sort of reckoning and recognition of were you that close, or was it fool's gold? And I, I think the the whole notion of Nebraska's been beating itself. Right, in some of these games with Michigan State and Oklahoma. I'm willing to still listen to that, especially Michigan. I think if Martinez doesn't fumble, they drive down, they go they go out and, and win the game. But at the same point, when it comes to making mistakes, like Nebraska again, with three drives inside the 30, two drives inside the 10, not being able to score, this is just what they are. If there's one play that signifies what Nebraska is, it's Yant. Tripping, tripping at the 1 yard line. Yeah. You might as well have put a banana peel right at the 1 yard line because that signifies what has gone on. You cannot get out of your own way. And he no one tripped him. No one tackled him. He just fell. Right. And that's what this program has become. A program that just falls. It just trips over its own 2 feet. And you never really know how what the potential is because you keep tripping over your feet. Right. And I don't what does that tell you? I mean, I've kind of gone on a long soliloquy here. I don't I don't really know. I just try to go to the okay, what would that coaching staff do? What would that coaching staff do? How would this team look with that coaching staff? Because there are a lot of examples in college football of teams that make improvement and it doesn't take that long and
1: it doesn't it's not that complicated. I know, but the thing that's so hard, because I completely agree with all that. The thing that's that's so challenging though is like the one thing and I'm not trying to play the moral victory card is like they're not getting blown out. Like the the astonishing thing is that they are have lost 17 one-score games, but it's a it's it makes it that much harder to figure out like with by the by the end of the Riley era they were just getting run off the field. That's easy to make make sense of. Pellini even, yeah, they're winning nine games, but their three losses were just c- colossal, catastrophic, blowout losses. Same thing with Callahan. By the end of the year, it was easy to understand. I think because think I felt like Nebraska played awful on Saturday. And they still right. should have beat Minnesota by at least a touchdown, maybe even two touchdowns. So, again, you can frame that or massage that ho- however you want, but it makes it that much hard to make sense of. And that's human human nature is to try to make sense of what's going on. And I'm completely lost with it because the only thing this team consistently does, the only thing, is find a way to lose a close game. That is the one through line through four years. It's the only thing they do consistently is they Find a way to lose a close game. My dad always said, and it's a cliche, and he stole it from someone, and everyone knows
0: it. It's bad teams find a way to lose. Mm-hmm. Good teams find a way to win. Mm-hmm. Now, is it as black and white as that? I don't know if it is, but it's like you said. Are you a winner? Well, winners win, right? Winners win. And in the, when the margins are small, when the margins shrink, and that's what one-possession games are. Whether you have more talent, less talent, equal talent, coaching and culture, discipline, fundamentals, those kind of things that you're instilling 12 months a year, seven days a week, six days leading up to the game, that's when that stuff to me comes to the surface. You either rise to the occasion or you wilt under pressure. Right. You either execute or you're exposed as as frauds with flaws, right? So that that's where I get it. Again, I'm not I don't believe there's going to be a coaching change at the end of the season. I don't believe that at all. I think that's a national spin. Uh, unless it were to completely spiral out and you get blown out the last few days. But again, I don't see that happening. But the the question becomes how tenable is it moving forward? Because you know the big R-word hanging out there, which is recruiting. We talk about it all the time, and recruits want to see results Jim Harbaugh had a comment after the Nebraska game he said it on his Monday news conference leading into the bye week he said nothing helps sell a program more than winning right you know the days of, of are gone of hey you can come here and play right away look how terrible we are that's spin job they see right through that they want to come they want to be a uh, play for a champion they want to win championships and win football games and as much cohesion as this program looks like they have from within uh, if you're an
1: outsider looking in, you're like, I don't want to be a part of that. All they do is lose. Right, right, and and the whole thing of like, you can play that card of like, hey, look, we're losing. There's a lot of opportunity for you to play. You, you could play be that, the guy. You could be. Yeah. You could play that in like the first recruiting class, or maybe even the second recruiting class. It's hard. It's it's hard to for that to be your big. If that's your big sales pitch now, that's not good. Well, and the negative recruiting of they're you know, gonna get fired are you even are you even gonna yep. be here right yep that's they, the thing is you cannot lose that's where that's what's so unfortunate about this Minnesota game and what makes the end of this season still very interesting is that even though Nebraska was three and four heading into this game it didn't feel like the program was without momentum like it still felt like there was a little wind in their sails because of like I what I said at the top of like there was that narrative that was out there of like, listen, man, they're close. They've just played this, the hardest schedule by a lot of different metrics in college football. They're coming. I think that's one of the reasons the Northwestern game, Schick, was so satisfying for people, is because it validated that narrative. It's like, well, here, they finally played, not a top 10 team, and they beat the crap out of them. This is, this, this fits what the narrative is. And now that, then you go lose to Minnesota and you lose a lot of that wind out of your sails. So, now the 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 program's momentum to me is in an interesting place. And that's why the final four games of this season, you feel like getting to a bowl game that ship's probably sailed, but you got to find a way to to not just be like tommy boy at the end of the movie when he is out on that little pond and he's got no wind and he <laughs> needs to sail in because he's gotta get somewhere
4: There, are, there are...
2: <laughs> for an hour with no wind again i'm supposed to be at michelle's for dinner <laughs> so if you give me a little help i'd appreciate it
0: there are a lot of things you could come up with you know for excuses i mean the, the fact that no team has played eight straight games, you know, they've been playing since week zero, right? Illinois had a bye week while, Minnesota, while Nebraska was losing to Minnesota. Ne- Nebraska certainly looked like a team that could use a week off. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, you wish they had one this past, this past weekend, but you also felt like there was some momentum building uh, going into this, and you're playing a team, Minnesota, that's fresh and coming off a bye, but down their top two running backs, and they wind up getting it done. Um, there's really no way to spin this. It's just a program that is still finding its way in year four and yeah. uh, f- trying to find out what it wants to be. And I um, I talked to PJ Fleck on Monday for the Big Ten channel yeah. on Big Ten Radio with Anthony Heron and me, and I want to play a portion of this Ooh, Okay, because we asked him, I asked him about the fact that after the game, he said this was culture versus skill. Yeah. I asked him what he meant by that. Anthony asked him if there's a rivalry between he and Scott Frost. We asked him about what he said to Adrian Martinez after the game. And then I asked him about one possession games. What he says is interesting. Again, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of pizzazz with P.J. Fleck. Right. But what he says is, is interesting, and he's the kind of coach that doesn't leave any stone unturned. Uh, here is a part of that interview from Monday morning. I was so fascinated by your comments uh, post-game after the win over Nebraska, and it's been written about, and I'd love you to just go on as long as you want to explain what you meant when you said it was culture over skill. What did you mean by that?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I think that's somebody's interpretation of just what I said, right? I've said the word culture over skill or just culture, period, for the nine years I've been a head coach, maybe every single day because um, we define culture as connecting people that's it and uh, I've said the word culture maybe every day for the last nine years and it matters in, in families in businesses and classrooms and teams and I was talking about our football team uh, in the past game like every game it takes culture connecting people um, with their skills and their talents and playing together to be successful simple as that
0: to that point now, and I, again, I, li- I like what you're saying there about culture, and that's good, but people, and when I say people, I mean those who are covering the team locally and reading stories saying, well, that's disrespecting your team, saying it's culture versus skill, and that's why you want. What's your response to that?
3: Well, it, it takes more than just skill to, to to be successful in life, right? And we have very skillful players, and – We take that and mold it with our culture and create talented individuals. That's the skill plus the heart, the spirit, the unconquerable will, the connectivity, being a great teammate, being a great person academically, athletically, socially, spiritually. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So it's not just the skill. We have very skilled players, and our players know that. We tell them that all the time. But you mix it with a culture of positivity, of growth, of learning, and all the things I just talked about. And that's what I think really successful companies, businesses, families, schools, universities, teams have. And that came down to, you know, two teams playing incredibly hard, incredibly hard and leaving everything on the field. But for our football team, right, our football team, that's the only thing I can ever speak of. It, it came down to us having to be able to play our best with our culture on display of connecting each other with all of our skill and talent.
5: And and part of what what your fan base those those who root so passionately for the Gophers did did get a kick out of was and you you may have heard at some point what uh, what Coach Frost from Nebraska said during Big Ten Media Days about quote sloganeering and some folks interpreted that as as maybe being you know an an interpretation of of how you operate I'm wondering did you hear that did you take any umbrage with it and did that add anything to this rivalry that's already there between Minnesota and Nebraska.
3: Well, first of all, we have a ton of respect for Nebraska. I have a ton of respect for Scott Frost, and it's just like we do all of our opponents no matter what. Um, and again, I mean, we do everything we can not to to, to block out or we do everything we can to block out the outside noise. We talk about internal is what matters, not the external. Now, what people say about us, what the you know, what they call us, the things like that, I I, I can't control all that. All I can control <laughs> is our football team, our culture, how we change our best, how we connect our players, and how we make playing at the University of Minnesota the best collegiate experience we can provide from the administration standpoint, from the football standpoint, academically, athletically, socially, spiritually. You know, we have a three, six GPA as a football team. That's part of the culture, right? That's part of a high expectation and a high standard in every area of our life, right? And row the boat. It's a saying, and whatever you want to call it, but it's a never give up lifestyle that we have here that is bigger than ourselves. It's a lifestyle of serving and giving. And it's, it helps our children's hospital here, right here at the University of Minnesota, and it connects our players to philanthropy. And, But again, uh, I can only control our football team and control what's being done inside our four walls. I, I can't control what people are going to say about us on the outside, and uh, we have a ton of respect for Nebraska and, and who they are, and, and, uh, and uh, I, again, for the game we played yesterday as
5: well. You had a what seemed to be a a fairly special moment where you you spent a little time with Nebraska's quarterback, Adrian Martinez, before you guys left the field, you know, and if you're not going to get into specifics, completely understand that, but what was sort of just the context of that moment you shared with him?
3: Oh, just how much respect I have for him. I mean, played, played against him. It seems like for 10 years, Uh, (laughs) I haven't even been here 10 years, but it just feels like he's one of the best players in in the big 10 and he's so athletic and he's so hard to game plan for, um, and i I just wanted him to know that for me how much I respect him, how hard he is the game plan against, and uh his competitiveness, and how much better he's gotten, and uh just the amount of respect I have for
0: him p j before you let you go, I'm just fascinated with this because I know the the narrative about the opponent that you beat is one that they just can't win those one score games. You have won a few of those this year, and as a guy who's coached for a while, what does that come down to there with with winning those games where maybe your margin for error? is pretty slim, and a lot of games are going to come down to one or two possessions. What does it come down to?
3: Well, first of all, I can only speak on our football team, right? So This sure, is only yeah. about us, right? Uh, but you, we have things you value, right? And we have things in our program like the ball, tackling, explosive plays. Those three things are directly correlated to winning, right? And I work for a guy by the name of Jim Trestle, and I'm sure all of you know Jim, right? Uh, and I was only with Jim seven months But I learned so much about whatever you want to call it, trestle ball or whatever it was. But I I just – I had a headset, and I was a GA, and I was a nobody. But all I did was listen and learn and watch Jim Trestle find ways to win the game. And there's things that you have to be able to practice, value. Uh, We've talked about this word narrow this year, Um, you know, and the difference between winning and losing usually comes down to one thing. You guys hit that right on the head. But what we have to do is eliminate – the things that allow you to lose the game first most games are lost not one and most games are lost less than one so we do everything we can to show our players in practice we focus on those things the ball tackling right breaking tackles and tackling and then explosive plays creating explosive plays in the run game and the pass game and being efficient in what we're going to do so if we're going to run the football, we need to be efficient in running the football, and we're going to create an identity of running the football, and we're not going to get away from that. So we have our own fingerprint, our own DNA, our own identity, whether people like it or not, agree with it or not, want to adopt it or not. It's who we are, and, and we have a, a philosophy behind that. And I know our guys, we put them in positions, narrow periods in practice where they have to be able to finish a game, and when you're doing that with your team – one team is going to finish or one side of the ball is going to finish. One side's not going to finish. And in training camp, you're never happy as a head coach because you lost on one side of the ball. But we go through those an awful lot and you get what you demand. And for us, right, we do everything we can to know and train our players that they're going to be in very close games in the big 10. How are we going to be able to finish? Now we've also lost games that have been narrow. All right. And, but we have, a, 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 we have actually a, a ranking of our years as being, a, you know, the roll culture of here's our record and here's our record in one-possession games. And that's what we value. And would I like it to be a one-possession game every week? My heart would prefer not. However, <laughs> it happens in the Big Ten and it happens in college football. And you only have so much time and, and, uh, and so much energy you got to focus it on things that you believe in your core beliefs. And for us, that's one that I choose to have us believe in it. Now that doesn't promise we're going to get it done. It doesn't, it doesn't guarantee you anything, but it, my job as a head coach is to make sure that I stack chances on top of chances on top of chances for our players to get them in a position mentally, physically, and emotionally to be ready to go win games on Saturdays. That's just
0: part of PJ Fleck there with Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, he is three and one in one score games this year. He has three wins in one score games this year. Scott Frost has five in four years. Right. right. Um, PJ Flight gets knocked a lot for the slogans, right? And the catchphrases and all that. There's nothing fake about it.
1: No, right? I like this PJ Fly.
0: This is who he is. Yeah. Uh, he's got good culture. There's a lot of buy in. Everyone's all in. You hear that. Clip about you know everything he's talking about, especially one score games. What kind of goes through your mind? Because well, that's the first time you heard it.
1: The first time the first thing that stood out to me was something that that it was a quote he dropped it, and I think it's something that applies so much to Nebraska, and it's it's a quote from Brett Bielema that he that Bielema said at Big Ten Media Days, he said, quote, it's a simple idea, but it's also not preached nearly enough that most of the time more games are actually lost than won. And I think you heard basically Fleck say as much. But one thing that's interesting to to hear Fleck talk about, it's interesting how much it sounds like they talk about one-score games, they value what happens in those one-score Not just like a broad, hey, we got to win, you got to lose, don't want to lose, whatever. Like, they seem to really put a big emphasis on – that those particular things in a close game. So, you know, listen, you you get good at what you value. You get good at what you spend time on. You get good at what you deem as important. I have to imagine because of the way things have played out that Scott Frost has put an added value on close games, one score games, the things that go into that, but you listen to Fleck talk, it certainly sounds like that is something that has been preached from day 1. And it shows, right? Like I I think I think it shows. So yeah, I mean I, I think there's a I mean you certainly could tell Fleck was being very diplomatic and safe with some of his answers for for certain things. Um But I guess, what was your take? I'll get into some of it. I I want to talk about Martinez and what he had to say about Martinez in a second. But what what stood out to you? You were the one, you were doing the Uh, interview. What jumped out at you with some of his answers there?
0: I like where he said, you have to eliminate the
1: things that cause you to lose
0: the game. Not do the things that cause you to win. Right. Right? Take out the factors that lead to losing. And... It made me think about, you know, in the phrase, you get what you demand out of your players. That isn't necessarily physical stuff. This is mental stuff. The culture stuff is mental stuff. It's from the neck up stuff. And you think about where he's been, right? And I I wonder about it. You know, P.J. Fleck, Western Michigan, Minnesota. Before that, there's a GA, Jim Trestle, right? Ohio State. Ohio State, when they won the national title, they weren't blowing teams out. I mean, holy buckeye against Purdue. Craig Krenzel on fourth down, right? They hit a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And they go on to win a national championship. Close games. Knowing how to do those close games and play and compete and coach in those close games. P.J. Fleck was brought up in that. Yeah. Yes. Right. I think about Scott Frost. Oregon. Right? Blowouts, Blowing people out, 45 points a game, blowing people out. The game's over at the coin flip. Marcus Mariota, et cetera. UCF, blowing people out. Not really any close games. Big 10 is his first big-time coaching job, and it's all he sees are close games. It's not out-scheming. You're not out-talenting anyone anymore. You don't have the best quarterback on the field anymore, at least
1: by and large. So what does it come down to? Think about what he played. That's at what I was just going to say. Think other than the Missouri right. game. Other than the Missouri game where Davison catches the Wiggins, you know, the kick. Other than that chick, how many one possession games in all reality was that Scott Frost quarterback in? He lost the one at Arizona State, nineteen to six, in ninety in nineteen ninety six. But other than that, not a ton of one score games. So it's a great so, point you make. Yeah, I mean, he's never w- had to exist you, you in you this do, world. You get what you
0: demand. You're also a part of what you've experienced and what you've been around. And if you're not conditioned for those types of games, how are you prepared to teach others to be conditioned and to condition your team for those? Again, this could be just grasping at straws, but if you are living in a gated community for most of your life, And you have lavish spending options and disposable income. How do you teach someone how to live paycheck to paycheck? Right. It's hard to do. Right. Right? Because you haven't lived it. So now you're living it. How do you live it out? How do you teach it? How do you ingrain it, not only in your team, but also in yourself, so that you can become a good coach? Right. I just think... All of those things might be coming to the surface here where in the final five minutes of a game, when the game is in the balance, players don't know how to do it because you've never done it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't see how anybody could argue with what you just said because I think it's a great point because I, I I think there's clearly something systemically and and this game m- made it all the more clear. there's clearly something systemically, existing in the program that holds them back from winning these one-score games. And a lot of that stuff, sure, it's about individual players, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of that stuff, you have to look at the head coach. And you look at his track record, and he doesn't have a whole lot of experience in those areas. And so imagine going from your whole life, like you said, you're living in a gated community your whole life, and now all of a sudden, you're paycheck to paycheck, and oh by the way, you have a family to feed. So and he he's all of a sudden only been in one score games at Nebraska, and it's 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 biting him a little bit. So I mean because it's just it's 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 maddening. How do you make 17 losses by one score less. It's maddening.
0: And I'll say this the trend gets to a point where it's not by chance anymore. Right. It's not because
1: it's coming up tails and you're calling heads. Right. You can't play the bad luck card anymore. You know, what I mean? maybe maybe the first year to maybe a little 2019, you could play the like man, they're just they're just snake bit, they're just they, it'll even out. It'll no, at some point it's not bad luck anymore. And I even think about uh, and you'll understand this cuz you've you've called college basketball games and you know what what happens at college basketball practices and at shootarounds. I think about the fourth the fourth down at the one-inch line and, and not getting under center. You're fourth and goal at the one-inch line. You're not getting under center. What I liken that to, Shik? how many times you've been at college basketball practice, because I know I did it, where coaches devote five minutes and they work on special situation plays. Two seconds on the clock, full court, what are we running? Sideline out of bounds. There's three seconds left. We need a three. What are we running? And they work on it, knowing you could go the entire season and not one time run your length of the floor, Valpo, Bryce Drew play, home run play, whatever. But in the in the in the event that this pops up, we've worked on it. See, I look at that that fourth and one inch from the one inch line. As a team, he can say what he wants about, I've watched all their snaps, they're pretty good at sneak. No, 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 no. You don't work on Martinez getting under center. And that's on you. And that might have cost you the game. Because you didn't work on, who knows, you could go the whole rest of the season and never need another scenario where Martinez has to get under center. But in the event that you do, which you did in a huge spot, in a huge game, you weren't ready for it. And those are the things that Fleck was talking about. Those are the little details that have eluded this program, and sometimes it's those little things that are the difference between winning and losing. Because, come on, man, you got Cam Jurgens who's playing at a pretty high level at center. You got a big, athletic, strong quarterback. You need one inch. What are you snapping it five yards back for? Because then you, you go, oh, well – He, he, yeah, tripped. He would have scored. Well, that's a part of it. You run the risk of something like that happening if you don't get under center and run a sneak. The more yards you
0: have to run, the greater risk there is of something bad happening. Yes. I mean, there's no, that's why Tom Brady will just get up under center and sneak it forward on fourth and one. Right. Push the pile. Right. Make it happen. Right. I've never understood, I will never understand. I think Kelly Stoffer brought it up too. Why would you run three or four yards when you only need an inch? Right. You know, right. you only need a couple of Does answers, it make sense? It it doesn't. You know, and we saw this week in college football, like even Purdue can find its way to an in season top twenty five. It's been since two thousand seven, but they're in the top twenty five. You know, Nebraska, the only time they've been ranked in the top twenty five under Frost was preseason twenty nineteen. Yep. And that was it. Yep. Right? That was it. But Purdue finds a way, right? Purdue finds a way off a of bye week
1: to do this. And so to to polish off the joke.
0: After the buy, now we'll find out what Nebraska. There you about. go.
1: Real quick before we get some some Davison Greg Sharp bites here.
0: Let's take a time out from the Shikinik podcast to tell you about our good friends at Dundee Bank, and there's a catchphrase that I think should be incorporated
1: with Dundee Bank uh, for all of their commercials. All, all of their the commercials,
2: all the sports,
1: and it's pretty simple. What it
0: is, you want it. I do want it. This is why I set this up. This is totally unscripted. I wanted to steer you to your Mark Jackson. What if Mark Jackson were the spokesperson for Dundee Bank? What would it sound like?
1: You done did it with Dundee Bank.
0: (laughs) You done did it with Dundee Bank. Now, as I say it out loud, I'm not surprised they haven't adopted it, nor do I expect it ye? But between us, let's be honest. They are the greenest bank in Omaha through solar power, zero waste, historic preservation, and community support. It's the greatest small bank, a community-focused small business right in the heart of Omaha, Nick
1: Ball. Yeah, you feel good about it when you're banking with Dundee Bank as nearly 100% of your deposits are filtered back into the community through... Th- Loans that support local individuals, businesses, and neighborhood revitalizations. They're all about building a strong community foundation. They're going to boost that Omaha and Dundee area economy, strengthen small businesses. And how about this? You open an account at Dundee Bank, Dundee is going to donate $10 to a local non profit you got to love it you need to they're located
0: in dundee blackstone and little bohemia i'm going to give the website then you give you give the catchphrase it's dundeebanking.com
1: at dundee bank you done did it at dundee bank dundee bank member fdic can i can, let's have a real quick martinez conversation because it's so interesting yeah. i mean you listen to fleck yeah say you know, seek him out and and hug him and talk about how, how much he respects him. And he even uses the phrase, he's one of the best players in the Big Ten. He's so hard to game plan for. There was another part of the conversation that I cut out where he just said, I, I asked him, why was the defensive plan perfect?
0: Like he said about Joe Rossi's plan, the D.C. And he just said, well, it's not like it was perfect, but the whole offense revolves around Taylor Martinez. Right. And that's what he said. Yeah. And so we just wanted to make
1: sure – we kept him contained. Right. And, and they did. So I just think it's interesting where you hear coaches say that. You even hear someone like Brett Bielema all the way back to game one said, boy, we felt like we had to sell out to stop one guy. Now, some of that is an indictment of what's around him. But I guess what I'm getting at is it's interesting, depending on what lens you want to view it from, you'll come away with a different, Thought on Martinez. There are a lot of fans that want to turn the page on the Adrian Martinez era because he's just not winning, right? And more often than not, as much as I've been a Martinez defender and I still think the guy's got a lot of talent, more often than not, he's the culprit of making a big back-breaking mistake, case in point being the safety, the intentional grounding in the end zone, where you got to know better, you got to know where you're out on the f- on the field. You can't make that play. You're a four year starter, or even when you're running on the goal line, right? Find a way to make it clear that you reach the end you zone. You get in, right? right? He, more often than not, he doesn't make that play. But it's just such an interesting conundrum. In, in in a lot of ways, like Martinez is a microcosm of Nebraska, where it feels like he's a good player. It feels like he's close to popping through and achieving the potential of what he could be, but he just isn't. And you say the same thing about Nebraska, where it feels like they're close. It feels like they're gonna get over the hump and and you know, capitalize on on the potential that they have as a program, but they just haven't. But I don't know, it's weird. Like I, I got a whole bunch of emails last week about asking about, hey, do you think Martinez will come back? And then you get some people going, I don't think you want Martinez to come back. You know, it's it's a weird thing where I think there's a lot of coaches that are scared to death even Pat Fitzgerald said, Man, I'm so that guy's, you know, he went and hugged him after the game and said, I'm I hope I'm done playing against you. And so it's weird, like opposing coaches are scared to death of this guy. And then some fans want to pack his bags and and move on from the Adrian Martinez era. And on some level, both sides are kind of right. Aren't they? Yes.
0: I still think you've won it. This. Next year. Yes, without question. I think it's always the, hey, do you want what's behind door number three? Do you want the $200 gift certificate underneath the box? <laughs> I mean, I kind of right. know what this is, and right. I'm better off with it than without it. I'll so take Martinez versus
1: the unknown of door number three.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Can I ask you this question, then? Because it made me think of this. I didn't think we'd get too much in the weeds, but we are, so let's weed whack a little bit. Okay. Um, why isn't Verduzco getting criticism? Because here I ask this question because of this. You've seen Martinez's talent. Mm-hmm. It's unquestioned. It's unquestioned that he has really good talent. But when you peak as a freshman and again this could be his best year and you could make that argument and that's fine. In the biggest moments it's not but whatever. But the difference between freshman and this year is I mean there's there's improvement but it's not this huge leap, right? No. That you would have anticipated. I look at what's going on at Penn State, Sean Clifford before the injury. Three offensive coordinators in three years. Mm-hmm. You didn't start seeing him fulfill his potential until Mike Yursich stepped on campus. Yeah. And he's only been there since this past winter. Produceco's been there a few years, obviously.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: He's been teaching, you know, in the offensive coordinator, whatever. I mean, you know it better than I do. But, but why, and maybe it's an OC question not necessarily a, a quarterback's coach question, but th- there is a pass being given, it seems, when in reality, if you see the talent, it's up to the coaches to unlock that potential. Yes. And and there's something holding Martinez
1: back. Why does it have to be Martinez yes. that's holding him back? Right. I, I totally agree. I, I like, And this isn't meant to disparage a guy 10 years after the fact. But when you watched a quarterback like Zach Lee play, you didn't necessarily think, boy, there's so much more there that they're not unlocking. I don't I know that mean, that comes off as mean, but I don't mean it to. With Martinez, you could argue that by the end of his career, he's the most uh what's the word? Like the most under maximized individual player. At Nebraska in two decades in terms of his improvement, progression, tapping into all of his abilities. chick I mean, when you take it all into consideration, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever to be in Lincoln in the past 20, 25 years. Look, Bill Callahan said it, and he got ridiculed for
0: it about Joe Gans it being system, right? Right. Joe Gans put up those numbers. System had a lot to do with it. That's coaching, right? Right. And Dama Kinsu was not going to be a first round pick until Bo Pelini came to campus. He was not going to be a top five pick until Bo Pelini coached him up and and, and unlocked that beast, right? So. We can't say coaching matters, but then discount it when we're talking about Adrian Martinez. And maybe it's not Verdusco, maybe it's Frost, right? Maybe it's Lubick. I, I don't
1: know. Or it's
0: what, recruiting. I, I
1: don't, I don't, You're recruiting it, missing on guys, you know, like missing on people around him.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't know. But coaching him up making things easier i i don't know i don't know what that looks like and again maybe there's an injury there i know frost
1: talked about yeah, it a couple weeks ago right saying, and there hey, probably is knew what,
0: what he's going through right a part right of me now, hates like, it. side note that? on that a
1: part know. of me hates that like either like either tell us he's hurt don't don't hint at it and then you, you know what i mean like he's kind of done that like they only knew he was playing like Then freaking tell us. Like you know, I don't know I don't know. A part of me is like, don't don't halfway go there and then not go there. That's just I mean, we this is a little thing for me. It's like either either tell us or don't. Yeah. Like physical, mental, like is there something going on behind I I don't know. Like don't even
0: throw that out there unless you're gonna answer the what or the why.
1: But but no, you're right. I mean it's it's
0: it's but I just wonder, yeah, about about coaching and not even just putting stuff around him, but just making him better. This year he should be having an all everything type of season, and he might still be the best quarterback in the Big Ten outside of maybe a CJ Stroud or Sean Clifford. But, uh, but it's, again, it's those mistakes in those final few minutes, it's crazy those man misreads, and that's not why
1: you lose this game. But no, but uh, but nevertheless, it's it's bizarre. I mean, it's 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 maddening. It's bizarre. It's it's you you watch football all day on Saturday, and you you see you you see things from Martinez that make you go, boy, I don't know if I've seen five better quarterbacks play this Saturday, and then you, but then. You look at his record, and you also see a few plays that he makes, and you're like, sheesh. And Like Steve Spurrier said in Dirk's column last week, Steve Spurrier was quoted as saying, does Nebraska have any other quarterback other than Martinez? And said, I just feel like something bad happens a lot with that guy. And that's what's so amazing. It's like all these different extremes of what you're saying about Martinez all can kind of be true at the same time and some of this is on adrian but like some of this is on verduzco some of this is on frost some of this is on recruiting some of this is getting a line that can block for him some of this is making sure that he's got a a bell cow running back you know cuz i was asked last week to rank the quarterbacks post crouch at at nebraska and it's like it's it's hard because you know tommy armstrong has a much better record than Adrian Martinez but when I just look at the two players Adrian Martinez is a more talented player and you know what Tommy Armstrong had Amir Abdullah to hand the ball off to like the McNeese state game how's that for winning a one score game hey Amir Abdullah just go break 50 tackles and score a touchdown yeah that goes on Tommy Armstrong's resume of one score wins but like I mean come on you know like now, granted, Tommy also drove him down against Oregon in 2016 to win the game and, and Michigan State in 2015 to win the game. So, I mean, Tommy came through in big spots. But I think it's just the Martinez discussion such an interesting one because there are a lot of variables around him that make it an, a tough question to ask or answer. But, like, I don't know. it's It's just depending on how you want to look at it, you can view Martinez a lot of different ways. Spencer Petrus is infinitely
0: less talented than Adrian Martinez, and they've found a way to get wins. Right, really good defense. It's not like their defense is world's better than Nebraska. They just come up with turnovers and right. make things happen, and they're opportunistic. And again, not the best conversation to have after they lose to Purdue. But, no, uh, but I mean, you, it's, not you, you, right. it's not a good offense. Right, not a good offense there right. at right. Iowa, and they have found a way to ha- start out to a six and one uh, season. All right. Uh, so we've gone through that. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. do let's do some play by play. Give it to me here from the week. Uh, let's see. We did find this. Uh, yeah, this did not. This did not go well. Christoph to put it down. Snap down. Colts kick sailing towards the uprights.
3: Missed and it. he missed it. Oh my goodness. Two trips to the red zone. Stuffed at the line of scrimmage and a chip shot field goal right in the middle of the field you miss it and my goodness this wow. defense has to be like what do we need to do
1: it's a great
0: question whoo how about a, we
1: haven't talked about that enough real quick and we'll keep like the defense talk about the tale of two halves they were that was their worst half of football all year but then the second half what more can you do i mean two interceptions to start the half they force two straight three and outs then they i mean it was like What more can you do, in the words of Matt Davis?
0: What more can you do is a great question. Uh, This was after the the intentional grounding that resulted in the safety.
1: Incredible.
3: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable.
1: Very, very true. Very big emphasis on the fun. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Not very good.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, So... There's, there's just a few of those uh those clips there look we are entering a bye week here and I know this is old but people have been tweeting about just needing some sort of laugh oh yeah here are you good with this I mean yes am I good with laughing okay yes right. I am this was 10 years ago this month. Ten years ago this month, when Bo Polini was still the coach and we were still on the air, and this is something – I'm going to play for you something that we have never played before. Remember the – the Kathy can't get off the phone with Bo and keeps yep. gushing. I'm going to play you the original. This is Kathy calling up, talking to Bo Pelini on Husker Sports Nightly with Greg Sharp hosting it. This was around mid-October, October 14th-ish or so, 2011. And this is her – She's called the show before, obviously, and she's praising Bo. This is the unedited version on Husker Sports Nightly. It's become a classic.
2: Let's get back to the phones. Let's head out west to the Panhandle and the Lions and Kathy. Hi, Kathy. You're on with the head coach. Hi, Greg. Hi, Hi. Bo. Hi, Kathy. How are you? I
4: haven't talked to you this year yet.
2: I know. you the (coughs) teacher? Are you you the teacher?
4: Yeah, I'm the teacher.
2: Yeah, I remember you. (laughs)
4: uh, Yes, I taught Broderick Nickens, which he would be horrified. Well, if you'll probably hear this. But anyway, I was just calling to um, express my support for how you stood up for your students. I mean, that's what they are, student-athletes. I'm a teacher. I would have done the same exact thing if my students were being harassed or... I shouldn't say harassed, but, you know... (laughs) It's just not appropriate to get into those games of, I mean, talking badly about your students, your student-athletes, your players. So I admire you for what you did. You're awesome. You have just as much integrity as Tom Osborne. You have different styles, but you're an excellent coach and an excellent person, and I admire you greatly. So that's all I have to say. Enjoy your bye.
2: Appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend.
4: Have a great season, the rest of it.
2: Thank you very much.
4: Take care, Bob.
2: You too. Okay.
4: Ah! I don't know if I've ever heard the full thing.
0: That was it. And so I listened to that on Sportsline. I thought it really sounded like Kathy couldn't get off the phone. Like she kept wanting to talk to him. And he kept saying goodbye, and she said she kept going. So I said, well, what would it sound like if she really kept going? And we edited it. And it turned into this sensation where every time I hear this edited, I know it's fake, but I can't stop allowing my brain to think it's real and my stomach hurts from laughter. This is the version we created.
4: But you're an excellent coach and an excellent person, and I admire you greatly. So that's all I have to say. Enjoy your bye.
2: Appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend.
4: Have a great season, the rest of it.
2: Thank you very much.
4: Take care, Bob. You too. Enjoy thank, your bye.
2: Thank you very much.
4: Have a great season.
2: Appreciate it.
4: I admire you greatly.
2: Thanks. That's Thanks, all I Dad. have to say. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy thank. your bye. 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 You too.
4: Have a great season, the rest of it.
2: Thank you very much.
4: You're awesome.
2: Thank you very much. That's, that's all I have God. to say. Enjoy your weekend.
4: Take care, Bob. You too. Enjoy Thank your bye. You. Happy from
2: out of Let's come back closer to home and...
4: Oh, that's so
1: good. That'll never get old. Never. Oh. Man, that sounds happen. a little dangerously accurate to the real thing. Did it not?
0: Uh, just had to do that because oh, you could all good. use a laugh. We do hope you enjoy your bye. Yes. We've gotta get out of here. <laughs> Hang in there. This is why we're here. To keep your mind off of the game by talking <laughs> about it for 40 minutes. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your bye. We'll see you next week. I'm not happy about
2: that.
3: Shit and Nick. Yeah! Shit and Nick! Yeah! Shit and Nick Show. Yeah! Here we go! Yes. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Shit.
4: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Enjoy bye. your buy. Unbelievable.
0: A Huda Media Production.